0: Hola Denis, Que I hope all is well. If we're talking again this is after the Labor Cup. Uh, what an emotional farewell! Watching Federer and Nadal, Rafa and Roger, they were almost holding hands, crying on a bench. Uh, I was also tearing up, of course. Uh, what about you? Did you see this?
1: Hola, uh, muy bien. <laughs> Just see. I know that you're in Spain at the moment, so uh, that's, uh, that's 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 really appropriate. Um, Greetings. So yeah, ooh, wow. I mean, you know, the the hand, hand holding was just so funny. I mean, I, 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 I'm sort of obviously I was I was emotional, but in the meantime, it's it was sort of comical. I know it's 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 a hard thing to say, and 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 I might not be too um, popular with this opinion, but I, I think it, it was a bit sort of funny. I mean, you know, blast them they're they're the best two players and obviously novak um these three guys and to be fair novak was was quite nice with the uh, with his approach he didn't want to steal the show finally i have to say that it was it was a proper farewell uh although i'm a huge fan of ali golding and i'm pretty sure that her voice i don't know if you've if if you've heard her performance but her voice was trembling and i'm and we were sure with my wife that 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 she she had some sort of uh throat bug because she couldn't sing and she's a great singer but you know no one really (laughs) i mean i just pick up on all these little bits and bobs and that's that's how i operate but um look the whole labor cup was was a celebration of the career of this great and um it's just an unbelievable unbelievable farewell and and one which which he um I mean, it would have been even better if he if he made that match point. Um, it was on his racket. It was yeah, a tough true. one. It was a tough shot. But but he should have he should have made it. Um, have you been watching?
0: I watch. Uh, yeah, I watched that moment especially. I watched some of Labor Cup. We were actually supposed to watch Casper Ruud's last match. Me and my Norwegian buddy Carl, as uh, so I went to their place, him and his girlfriend, and uh, we we're supposed to do barbecue and stuff. But uh, yeah, the Tiafo had a different story in mind as did Stefanos Tsitsipas I thought like if Tsitsipas has to win two tie breaks I can't really back him I'm just always a bit worried when Stefanos is is supposed to close something because he seems to be a bit more nervous than than I mean Tiafo is a big fighter and, and Stefanos is not the most clutch player right he had like
1: four match points or something ridiculous yeah, yeah, it um, was
0: pretty painful to watch because I wanted this and, to be a final and, match
1: and 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 yeah, everyone wanted a final match apart from TFO and obviously Team World. But I, I thought that everyone really wanted to see the climax of and you know what I would have backed Fritz. I we we are big fans of Fritz, but I, I thought he played really well against Nori as well. Uh Nori came back, but you know, that was down to his amazing coaching, what he got from like Federer and Novak and all those guys. We we were joking about it as well, like poor Nori, because he didn't really seem to be fit there. So, I mean, I I didn't really think that he should have been there. We we were watching it with a few friends of, of mine from the tennis club, and uh, we were actually joking that, oh, amazing, here are the four goats, uh, plus, plus, you know, good players, because obviously Rude is number two in the world and all that, and, and who's that guy? <laughs> who's who's getting a bit gray in the hair and you know he's he's just like cheering but like heartedly as well so he he didn't seem engaged even which was so strange I mean he's a pretty laid-back guy and and we talked about him that he is definitely an overachiever because um you know with his with his style of play it's unreal uh, what he achieved because he doesn't have a big serve. He doesn't have um, amazing movement. He doesn't have uh, uh, an amazing forehand and backhand. He's just like, okay with everything, but, but he, his mental game is really tough. So that's, that's what it is. But back to Steph, look, Steph is after the, the blowout in the first set where he didn't make one on error, not one. After that, he went up for the second set TFO started to do his shenanigans uh you know TFO I I see TFO as a as a a top 10 player next year I I just you know he he I think he um he can challenge for the top 10 definitely but even for um you know the U.S. will be will be his to take I think
0: yeah I, I agree I think he's uh, he's gonna build on this as well because this you saw how mentally strong he is if he has the crowd to either combat or to back I mean the team world crowd was well I mean the crowd was pretty 50 50 I would say team world team Europe it wasn't like team Wor- team Europe all in you know it was it was some good support from team world as well partly maybe because they lost you know four labor cups in a row and they needed to turn the ship. And I think they deserve to win because I I would have not liked the tournament as much if, you know, Team Europe wins every year. And now the flair of the tournament will be very different next year because you have no uh, Federer there, you know, we'll see what Rafa does. Um, I mean, they will have to inject some new blood, you know, they will have some Alcaraz and Sinner and bring in some new players. You know, uh, I was surprised not to see any of those two guys at the Labour Cup this year, for example.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, Carlos was absolutely knackered. I mean, he even played the Davis Cup, so he must have been absolutely shattered to pieces. Um, and it was great to see Team World actually win it because they they were hungry. They really wanted to win. Like John Johnny Mac was absolutely over the moon, as you could see. He he was he was losing it. And I think in general as well, like like what what was what was great to see is uh, is the fighting spirit. And they had a lot bigger camaraderie, like, you know, with, with Fritz Tiafo and Tommy Paul, they're best of friends. So, so it's, it's not, it's not something uh, weird to see, but, um, you could actually feel that they were playing for, for the team as well. Um, and this was their moment to shine and, and it's great that they won. Um, and we were actually thinking about it. We were talking about it with my wife, that it would be quite nice to go out to Vancouver to, to check out the, uh, the next year is one because I think it will be a blast, and Federer will definitely be there. Um, in what capacity is, is a whole is a whole another matter matter because uh, I think um, he's he's not going to leave tennis. Um, he just loves it too much. Such a great ambassador for the sport. It's the same as like if if you look at Rod Laver, he's always there.
0: I think Federer will have a much more active role than most of the greats because that seems sometimes to be more like, hey, can you show up and show your face. And they're like, yeah, I love tennis. I'm going to show my face. While I think Roger was trying with Labor Cup and with maybe upcoming changes to make a more of an impact, maybe in how the game is is played, like and organized, possibly through the tours and maybe, you know, pushing a bit more for prize money, etc. I I hope he has more of an active role because this um, we need a marketing push for tennis. So I think he can can do that.
1: What I what I just wanted to say is that literally before we went on air. Uh, I just read it that LeBron and uh, Draymond Green and all these great NBA players are uh, planning a pickable uh, major league.
0: All right, <laughs> I should be.
1: They are They are stealing your idea. I wanted to say our idea, but I, I have nothing to do with that, but just be your number one supporter for the Champions League of Tennis. That's not a bad idea even to to make it worldwide because like, you know, uh, it can be a Champions League of tennis, but you don't necessarily have to close out like the the, the big American cities. We, it, it's gonna be a recurring theme until someone actually uh, buys your idea for like I don't know fifty million dollars. I, I would I would I would just like to get like I don't know ten percent for for mm. being your number one fan. But yeah, so so all jokes aside, I I think uh, it's a good idea to push uh, pickleball and it's a good idea to push paddle. Uh, but definitely, tennis needs. Uh, um, would just like to see this beautiful sport evolve, um, and it's it's not by by changing tradition. It's just tweaking whatever you can to to make it more enjoyable. Because for example, this week we've got uh, three ATP 250s, and apart from being like Novak being the number one seed in Tel Aviv. There's not a lot happening, and neither was last week when when Sonago won mats. The only the only highlight was that Bublik tried to to win a point with uh, his grip. He he tried to to hit a ball with his grip, yeah, and that. that's 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 all what you can say. And that's just sad, isn't it? That there's there's like there's so much work going into an ATP two fifty. And no one really cares, and it's just—it's just such a sad thing to be to see and to 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 talk about.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's something that struck me. I've been to quite a few ATP 250s now, a one or two ATP 500s, and you really feel like the the first days during a tournament where someone put in so much effort, money, there's staff, there it is, like you know, catering. There's you know, and there's no people. Like, what, what's going on? Like, and then you get to maybe third round, quarterfinals. Things start happening, especially quarters, if you have some players. But yeah, it's a sad thing because there are world class players there in these. This is ATP, so it's like top action, top entertainment. Especially these indoor tournaments feel often a bit sadder than the outdoor ones. Um, but yeah, there's something needs to be done. I think Labor Cup, they they really did something well with the format. The format is amazing. I think maybe there was a discussion. I listened to the tennis podcast, which is a good podcast about tennis as well. And they did not uh, as good as ours. Yeah. Not as good as ours, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I, they did a a fair point of of discussing around whether it's an exhibition or not, you know, and I'm kind of like thinking it's an exhibition, but on the same time it has ATP points. But on the other hand, they, they just pick teams based on, I don't know, (laughs) marketable abilities or whatever. So, It's hard to say if it's going to be an ATP point uh, competition that's actually sanctioned or if it's going to be an exhibition. Uh, But I do like everything they did. Uh, The only thing that I I can agree with them partly is that the scoring system that you get three points on the last days, I understand why it's there. But it's not really like what you would do in any kind of serious competition. You wouldn't add points as the tournament progresses. It would be the same points all along. And that feels a bit strange, right? Actually, they pointed out that if... They would have kept one point for a win, they, the last match would have counted. But now, with the, the team world running away with it on the last day, three points for each match, you know, it was over before the last match. So that, that system is not always good.
1: Yeah, I think why they did that was to, to, to make even the underdogs who were like blown out after two days uh, maybe even have a chance for them. And if you, if you look at it, uh, Team World was, was way behind. After two days, it was eight four something ridiculous. I think so. So uh, you're right. Um, it's an interesting discussion, but it's the same as the what, what what we touched as well. The ATP Cup, I think maybe the three matches is a bit short. But yeah, the three days is is also an interesting format, and and you know the scoring system, and and obviously it's not fair to have points given. And I've heard that they get like $250,000 for just uh, participating, which is pretty good money. I mean, that's I would very like money. to take it, but it's a spectacle and they, and they actually fight for, until death as, as we can see it in golf. And that's, that's the only thing what I can say about it is, is that when you, when you look at the PGA versus the live, the live is, is a bit more viewer friendly in many ways, because you've got the team uh, champs as well. And and that's what we don't really have in tennis, and that would be quite good to have at least some sort of not like um you know a runaway league or a, a breakaway league, uh, but but to have something of an opportunity for maybe even the lower ranked players to show their strength. And I think it's it's a rather interesting year for the ATP. While Roger is is retiring, and and you know Rafa, I I, I honestly thought that Rafa will be. Um, announcing his retirement uh, on the french i i did a hundred percent believe that he's gonna say that was my last one cheers guys
0: see you later maybe this year with the kid and if his body feels a bit dead yeah, it might happen right i think that's this could be the last year but he's always saying like i mean he also said at the u.s open see you next year right he said next year so
1: yeah 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 He he said that and that was that was really surprising for me because you know he's he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he loves the U.S. Open because, uh, you know, he he won it three times, I think. So, so he he plays really well on the U.S. and and it's a bit of a, as we can see, obviously this year and and you know with team winning and and you know with Medvedev winning, it's it's a bit of the underdog uh, Grand Slam. Yeah. Um. And 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 I think that's that's why, uh, Rafa, who's not. You know, we have to say it. He's not the best on hard court. He's great. He's a great old rounder, but but he's not. He, that's not his best. He was announcing a uh, special press conference. There were a lot of speculation that he's gonna call it quits, and he didn't. I don't know what keeps him going but I think because now his kid I think he's he's a few days away and he was the last of the big 4 who actually said yeah I'm just going to marry my my childhood best friend and obviously love and all that um because they just got married like 3 years ago mm-hmm. and Roger already had like four kids and Murray has four kids Novak has two kids it's an interesting one um in many ways on on how Rafa thinks about like going forwards because now it's scary. Like if, if you look at the youngsters, what we were like hoping for for the last 10 years is happening now that the new generation is coming up. Uh, they're playing super tennis, absolutely lights out tennis. It's what you what you said as well is the uh, revolution or the evolvement of tennis is that how they're like sliding into every shot they're amazing from the forehand and backhand volleys, serves they've got the whole package so the only guy who can pretty much like take on the gloves with them is Djokovic
0: Rafa is a very much of a family oriented person so the question is like how will this affect him you know he's very much connected to his parents to Majorca, to everything, more root person. So I think maybe a kid for him will have a bigger impact, uh, and and maybe he will see that next year is the time to to hang it up. And the question is also, how much does the Federer retirement affect him? Because he he they were so close for so long, they were he was kind of the guy to beat, and they were both the the big rivals. So I think when one leaves, there might be a little bit of, of thing that leaves you as well, right? He said that as much that it might affect him. Maybe not in competing, but maybe in, in how the tour feels and how the traveling feels on tour. Kid, no Roger, might affect. They're also getting spanked more by the younger generation, as you talked about. Tennis has evolved, so they are hitting harder, moving better, taking inspiration from the goats. I think it will be Tougher in the future to see Novak winning as easily as he has done. I don't see the same domination will happen now. I mean, he did lose pretty badly to uh, Tiafoe, I think it was? No, no, it was no Ojiali uh, 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 in the Labour yeah, Cup. Yeah. And then, although that's a kind of an exhibition match, and I know Novak is not pushing himself so hard in the Labour Cup, but it's still a sign of like now they can be beaten, you know. And they the kids will start feeling like, okay, I can beat this guy, you know, even if it's exhibition or whatever, you know, I can I can defeat this guy. So. Things are changing uh, two, for sure.
1: Yeah, two thoughts. He uh, like demolished Francis, and after it, his wrist was hurting. So I've I've seen the match, and and he couldn't really hit a forehand. So he even when when it was uh, it was a bit of a bit of a weird backhand. He 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 chose to hit a backhand because obviously he had his left hand to to hold the racket. Uh, but that is that is uh, a point for concern, though. Uh, that his second match, his wrist started to hurt. So uh, he's not getting younger. He's a superhuman. Everyone knows that he's thirty-five. When when Roger was thirty-five, he won the Aussie Open, and everyone was was wow. How could he do that? And and all this and that obviously with with the with the new nutrition and and with what is what is going on in, in in tennis technology you can just lengthen your your career you know when he came back and like his first match he he gave a 6 1 6 to the uh us open semifinalists you were like okay so he's back but then the next day He just lost fairly convincingly in terms of like Felix's point of view. But the other thing, what I wanted to say about uh, Nadal and and Federer is that I I haven't actually known that uh, from their last 10 matches, Federer won eight. Rafa's game evolved, obviously, and his serve became better. And we know that Moya gave a bit more uh, oomph to, to Rafa's game. But Federer just became better like as as you can see it is it's just crazy to see as well how how much his game um just evolved
0: I listened to this interview with uh Jubecic, and Yubicic said that what he brought to the table you know he was a very humble guy Yubicic Um he said that he, he was like don't slice don't slice so much you know he, he really said you have to come over the backhand take the ball early from the baseline he said that Don't go so often to the net like you did with Stefan. Like Stefan Edberg, he was putting a lot of like, yeah, move to the net, which worked in a way, but not to Grand Slam winning style, right? It worked to a way of, of, you know, getting back into tennis, winning more matches, but it didn't really win him slams. But then he found his groove with like taking balls early from the baseline, taking time away, hitting the backhand hard, not slicing, giving the opponent time. Because uh, Jubačić's take was like, you have to defend if you slice. If you slice, you're defending, right? You The next shot, you will be uh, defending. You look at Dan Evans. I mean, he's slicing every backhand pretty much. He's always defending. He's always running and he's very good at defending. But it's uh, you get there, you, you get, you know, pounced on, right? So thought that was pretty interesting that he just I read that. Okay, you're best when you're just going for the ball. Like, that's how you have to play. If you want to win more. And then he won three slams with this kind of advice and, and this kind of game he built up. Pretty impressive. The
1: the guys nowadays don't really know how great of a player Jubicic was, and uh, I mean his serve was really dominant. Um, you know who I can compare him to? A bit of a Kevin Anderson for me. Uh, that he had a massive serve and he had a good all around game. And I-, I talked about it many times that my favorite of all time is 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 Rodic, and uh, one of their last Masters final finals we were together, and uh, Jubicic won it. And uh, yeah, actually, it's quite funny to hear from you, Bicic, who was who was slicing his backhand most of the time because he was he was rushing the net. I think it was a great advice. And if you look at how how Federer actually trans transformed his game, and what he could reach, and and um, his serve is the best of all time. So that's that's full stop for me. That's that's like the best shot. Uh, even with me, we we talked about it that you're not a huge fan of Sampras because he was quite boring. I mean, i I grew up watching him all the time, crying when he lost. So for me, Pete was was the player to watch uh, even even with so uh, much he wasn't giving much away. He was uh, he was as cool as anyone. But yeah, I think I think serve actually let him to have this uh, longevity in in his career. Because if he didn't have this sort of uh, absolutely solid serve, I mean, you know, he he's the only one. If if you see his his motion, he's the only one who actually jumps into his toss. So he tosses his ball into his whole movement. So it's such it's such a fluid movement that if you look at everyone else, they just toss the ball and then they do do the whole whole movement. But his his toss is actually part of his whole. Uh, service motion, which is which is amazing to see. Um I, you know, we we talked about it many times. I'm not the biggest better fan, rather the opposite. But you know, you you've gotta you've got to give credit where credit's due. The guy changed the game, then after it. Rafa changed the game, then after it. Novak changed the game. And um in a way Murray did change the game, but that was that was a bit different because he was like, you know, a little bit not as good Novak. Uh, but we'll talk about that um, a bit later. The, the importance of teams, and that's that's what we wanted to to uh, to touch uh, as our second topic. How amazingly they choose their their coaches is just unreal.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Djubicic was a strange choice for many. I think it didn't really sound supernatural. Like this guy, he played with at the same time. Usually go for some old legend. You know, that's been the trend. You've seen a lot of like, you know, Zinferero with Alcaraz. You've seen uh, Ivan Lendl with both Sverev and with Mare. You know, they, they've been around the block. You see some legends. Agassi has coached, I guess, Dimitrov now with Korda. He was with Novak. You know, so they, these guys have come back. Like, Jubicic was a contemporary player with Federer. So that was a very gutsy move. But it seems like they have a instinctual feeling of what they need the goats. They feel like, okay, I need to add this let's bring in Ivanisovic. Novak wants to add some pop on his serve, win more free points. He was putting in so much work. He gets Ivanicevic, you know, and then he has like a rock solid part of his team. While you see some other players, they pick a coach and it doesn't work out. They like, you know, they two weeks in, three weeks in and it's like, nah, it's not working or half a year, whatever. So the top three, I think they they are the best at picking their team. They don't switch their like physical trainer, they have like some mental practice. They have like just a routine set down to a T and then they keep adding flavor. Like, so they add like one coach to help them during this period. One coach to have helped them during this period. Novak has done it really well with this choice of coaches. Rafa has had a solid team. Federer has a solid team. And that's what, partly why they're so good, because I think they're they're like good, like CEOs of their career. Like they really guide their career. They know what they want. They know how to act while some other players are a bit more immature they don't really like oh i don't know really if i should change coach because it might rock the boat you know or something while these guys they seem to know exactly what they need to do and that's been uh, very impressive and a huge reason why they are the the three goats i think is, is because they they know exactly what they need for their game
1: before i get get to the importance of of how to choose the team i just wanted to talk about an interesting phenomenon in coaching in general is um, that what you have in golf, I don't play golf. I just love golf. That's why I talk about golf that much, but you've got different, different coaches for different type of shots in golf. And it's pretty interesting that in tennis, you don't have that. So you don't have like a serving coach. You don't have like a volley coach. You don't have a forehand or a backhand coach, which is kind of strange to see because they're so complex. Every tennis shot, is so complex. How it came up is that my serve is pretty big. And I actually can see instantly what is wrong with some person's serve. And when I when I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, I've become a ten- um, um, a serving coach. But there's nothing like that. So you don't actually have certain shot coaches which is a trend again, which we should be talking about and which we should be uh, maybe changing. Because it would be, if you think about it, like, again, back to golf, Rory McIlroy and everyone, like all the bigger ones, all all the bigger and greater players, they all have their like short um, game, like, I don't know, putting coach and all that, which is strange to see that when golf and tennis are so similar in many ways that. You know, the sport itself is an unbelievably similar sport. Why didn't it actually happen in tennis?
0: Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to have a, a, you know, coach per stroke. And I think that's what, for example, Novak did. Like maybe he has the money to do it or whatever, but he's tried different serve coaches. You know, he had started with, uh, with one I don't remember. Was it Todd? Uh, what's his name? Todd. Do you remember serve, Novak serve coach?
1: I I don't think it was Todd Martin, was it? No,
0: no. Yeah, it was Todd Martin. It was Todd Martin. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Todd Martin was was a top five player. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he had Novak. He his looked serve, like a big bear. No, this is
1: news to me. So um, usually I, I give you some news, but that that's something which you've given me now. No, I, I haven't known that that Todd Martin actually uh, uh, coached Novak. But I'm yeah, not exactly. surprised. Some... Todd Martin had a massive serve. He had a really really good serve.
0: Yeah, but I think also it's sometimes it's hard to uh, just relate what you know because you have a good stroke, whether it's natural or it's, you know, technical, whatever, but didn't work out. It was 2010 and, you know, he continued with Vaid after that. But so that was a typical, you bring in a coach, help me with the stroke, like help me with one thing, you know, don't just do this. Uh, so there are different ideas to do that, but I think it makes sense, especially over a short time period, because if you say, hey, I need to really pick up my serve, you pick a guy that has a great understanding of the serve big serve you do it for maybe a month two months and then you have hopefully a better stroke in general so i think that makes a lot of sense than just having one guy because also there's a point when i think one guy is definitely a comfort one guy or girl there's a comfort there's someone you can talk to maybe have good chemistry so that always helps but there's a limit to how much that will help you technically right there's always a limit like how much can he bring into your game so that's at some point that expires a little bit
1: it's it's an interesting one as well because uh, we we talked about it that obviously we 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 talk about the the three goats and and that is uh, Roger Rafa and and Novak and and how they have chosen their teams were always really exceptional um, and if you look at like Murray and and what he brought uh, and how he. Um, went about his business like you know he had obviously Danny Valverdu and then he had Lendl and then he had Moresmo and then now he's back to Lendl and then you know he's he's a bit all over the place in many ways and um, it's an interesting one when you when you look at Rafa who had Uncle Tony by his side and you know the same guy same manager same physio and and when we were in Majorca this year, it, it is it is Nadal's island. So it's like I am pretty sure that he's uh, he's um, the richest person in Majorca or or one of the richest people in Majorca. But he's such a genuine guy as well that for him uh, to have this um, this amazing team behind him and he could always rely on them and and you know unlike me he never threw a racket down the floor he's just different if you look at all all these uh, all these guys and 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 what they actually believe in like Federer has guys in his camp for 20 years and it's just unbeatable like you know yeah obviously Murray has a few guys I- in his camp for 20 years and Novak didn't didn't change that many coaches so if if you look at it like most of his success came under Marianne Vaida um and i know that for a fact that uh, uh Vida didn't want to travel that much so that's why he said it to novak i've heard rumors rumors that it was because of his vaccine status uh but i don't think it's true i think it was down to the fact that he didn't want to travel
0: consistency in your team is very important for your mental strength but what they all did well was i think their tennis evolved and they picked the right ways to evolve the tennis like you know uh, they all changed or tweaked the rackets a bit. Like Rafa tweaked his, although he used the same, but it tweaked tweaked it quite a bit from his first one. Roger changed completely uh, in 2013, 14. Novak changed, made some tweaks, and has changed a bit over his career. But but you know, in the same realm, and also with coaches, they like you have Vaida, you have Tony Nadal, Federer. You had like Severin Luti, and you have the you know Paganini, the fitness trainer. He's had the similar team, you know, the same agent. Because changes create a lot of uncertainty and that's not so good for per- performance when you have to focus on winning matches. So I think that's the problem. If you don't keep your team, you think you, you will have uncertainty. You will start feeling a bit nervous about stuff. You have to put your mind on other things. And that's what you see with some young players, maybe Raducano, maybe other players, that they, they start doubting the team too soon. You know, instead of maybe say, hey, okay, I want a Grand Slam. That's way early, maybe. I need to just... Buckle down, work on my game, and maybe I win a slam in two more years. So I don't know, uh, but it it comes with all this pressure to change stuff, you know, and that's uh, that's dangerous. I think they they were so successful because they they really navigated this whole ocean of of uh, what you can do, what you can change, what you can't change very well, like in all aspects, pretty much.
1: You know, I I agree, obviously, um, and we talked about Raducanu as well. That I don't think that's the way to go. Uh, she's um, she's winning matches now. Um, which is great for her career, and and you know she she moved up from like eighty five to now sixty seven or whatever. I'm, I'm I might be wrong here, so don't quote me. But but she's she's moving up the rankings, which is uh, which is good to see. And you know I, I'm I'm rooting for her because um, she looks like a nice character. Why I wanted to touch the teams as well and and how they build it up is that um, unfortunately, and you know I always go back because obviously that's my my heartfelt. Uh, reality of, of the Hungarian uh, professional players is that they they don't find a good team young enough and because of that it's not finding the right solution so Fucevic actually became a top 100 player when he found a good coach um, and he couldn't evolve to be better than a top 35 player because he didn't feel like he could actually do it in many ways and now we've got two top hundred two two top two hundred players um, who who have big potential. and and now uh, John Piroche played his first uh, ATP. So he played Vavrenka in the um, final round of qualifications in Mets. And uh, he lost, but he he won the first set. and it's and it's great to see that, you know these guys are getting better like what we talked about as well is that when you get actually when you when you focus when you have a good manager and the manager actually knows on what sort of deals you can strike with being a top 200 player that helps with your career because obviously you will get free gear free free money free i'm i'm saying it with you know in just brackets because obviously it's not free because you you work your ass off to be there where you are it's, it's really vital to, to build a team around you, uh, which, which actually helps a lot. So it's, you know, it's the physio, is the manager, and it's the coach. And, and I say manager as well, because I think it's, it's really vital to have a guy who, yeah, you know, represents you, gets the 10% or whatever, but still, you need to find a good manager who actually represents you in the right way and not just for the money. So that is that is really important, and that's that's why the top three, and in in terms of the goat debate, the top three did have this amazing feat of of twenty twenty one and twenty two, in terms of grand slam wins. The other topic, what we wanted to talk about, is did is a big four. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm a bit averse to that, to be honest. Like I I do uh, think that Murray is. On his own, he's not maybe alongside Bavrinka because Murray was number one in the world. He won so many ATP tournaments. He won, you know, Davis Cup. He won uh, Olympic gold. Yeah, so he was like on par with Novak in many ways during that time period. I guess 2016, we was also number one, but he was a little bit worse than Novak in pretty much every aspect, but just a tiny bit. It is a kind of a way a big four, but I think like if you have three guys would has all these trophies, pretty much all Davis Cup, uh, Olympic golds, whatever it's doubles or singles, then they have 20 grand slams or more. I think it's a big three. Uh, I think Murray gets like, uh, you know, he's just on the side there and has to look at it. You know, he, he kind of has stands on his own in the sense that he was almost as good as these guys just came in the wrong time. Uh, so that's really my take on it. It's hard to say, like, because when you talk about ghosts, you can't mention Murray. I think it's difficult.
1: It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because if we talk about uh, the era of this tennis and twenty years of uh, the last twenty years of tennis, and what they brought to the table, it is a big four. Because you know Murray was there, and and he he played all Grand Slams, and 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 he were he was in like I don't know twelve Grand Slam finals or something silly. Um, and he won just three and he, he was the only world number one apart from these guys. And obviously now Akras and Medvedev, but, but that was, that was the, after the era when, when all this happened and it's still, it's still a weird rankings at the moment because of COVID. So it's, it's like, you don't really know who's where (laughs) it's, it's, it's just a weird one. I think he is the next best thing. Maybe Murray's like, um, uh, is like a Willander who was who was amazing and and he won a lot of Masters and and he became he became world number one. Although that was a really weird year when he became world number one because uh, Rafa and Roger they weren't really playing because they were just injured all year or something like that. And Novak just lost his his faith in tennis. I call them the Big Four, and and I really liked it that they called it the Big Four on the Labor Cup. But by the goat debate, he's he's nowhere near. He jokes about it as well. Like he had uh, one of the uh, the big four uh, pictures out and, and he said the, the, the three goats plus a clown. You know, he's a funny guy. He's a great character. He's a lot, lot, lot funnier than what he gets credit for. Uh, I really like his uh, his attitude on court as well because he's one of us. I can definitely relate because I'm an idiot on court. You can call this era of the big four because, like, you know, who, who else was there? Like, obviously, Vavrinka was there, and Vavrinka is an Olympic champion. He won three uh, slams. He never lost the slam final, which is just crazy. Just a big, big time player. And, and he had an A game, which was unmatched. And I think Vavrinka's A game was literally unmatched by anyone. Just won three slams, and he never reached the semifinal. I don't even know. Like, you know, that was it. Like there were three amazing tournaments, which he which he crushed, and that's it. But Murray was really consistent. He was always there. He was like the fourth fourth player um, who could actually like play with these guys and and beat these guys on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that's very true. I mean, he was uh, a constant in that era where it's almost impossible to get on the on the board of any Grand Slam title winner but still like, he was, it was uh, 3 and it's not 20 so he, he fought in the, in the toughest era which he deserves many many props and I think the big 4 is is something I called it many times on TennisNerd.net and stuff when I've written about it so I think definitely big 4 but when it comes to goats it's not quite there you know it's all about those 3 guys that changed the game I, I don't think Murray changed the game in any way I think he just played like Novak and, uh, and was an inspiration to many and the uh, Played like Novak a little bit worse, you know, which is very, very good still. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. But still, not just one
1: there. thought here. Just one thought is that he he didn't change the game, but he did change the game in the UK. So that's that's obviously not the same as as what the impact of of the three goats. I just don't want to get involved in who's the greatest ever because I they they are just so different players, and all three are great because of different reasons. Is that, you know? But I, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think Alcaraz himself can be the GOAT in like 15 years if he keeps this up and he stays injury free. But he needs he needs um, like a, a, a fetter in Nadal, Nadal, Djokovic. So he needs a guy who actually brings out the best of him, best in him. And 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 yeah. So Murray didn't change the game in in the world, but he definitely changed the game in the UK.
0: Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, I would say, you know, if you're a very strong presence in a sport in your country, I think it's very nationalistic in a way that you change everything, right? So you you see people get interested in a sport when there's success from the national team or a national player. That's always happened. So that makes a lot of sense. And obviously great when you can have it spread out a bit. So, I mean, Serbia, tennis is huge. You know, UK switzerland spain was always a tennis country but obviously there's a rafa uh, spike and a boom as well so it's it's very important that you have these stars from your home country and we've seen it in sweden when we had like such a boom and then it just evaporated into nothing and now the interest in sweden is is more towards puddle which uh, is what it is you know I, it's good that people exercise but it's puddle land or it's pickleball in the u.s and you see these sports growing, and because it's it's much easier to sell, easier exercise, easier everything. So, uh, it's definitely important. And he made a huge uh, difference in the UK, I think, with how he played and how he conducted himself. So, in that sense, he's, he's as big of as an ambassador as, as the other guys. I think really some of these debates are quite pointless, like goat debates and whatnot. You just pick a favorite and just think it's your goat. You know, that's fine. We don't need to have one. Uh, I think that's fine. I think so, discussions will keep the game going and uh, maybe excite some people, whether it's in basketball, you have Jordan, DeBron, whatever, uh, Kobe. So there's always people you can discuss who's the greatest, and there's no real answer, really. I mean, you can be a numbers guy, you can be a style guy, you can be an ambassador guy. It doesn't really matter who's the greatest. There is no award for that anyway. So Um, what all these guys did in their own right is that they made the game more popular, which is what, what we all want and what helps the game in the end.
1: A lot of the tennis players back home said that they're gonna stop watching tennis when Federer retires. I hope that's not going to be the case. This is the best time for Federer to to retire when we have a new star in the making and the new star who's already world number one with uh, Carlitos because he's uh, he makes it look so easy as well. like, you know, even with the effort what he puts in,
0: like if you want to hand over your, Baton as an ambassador to tennis I think he did it in the right time Federer because now we, we have people to watch that are exciting if he did that when you know we had Zverev as number one uh, or something when it was kind of uncertain I, I don't think it would have been the best you know now we have a guy actually people get very excited about which has been a long time in the making kind of
1: oh yeah yeah like years because if you think about it that Nishikori and Dimitrov and and uh, Raonic <laughs> bless yeah. him. Um, they they were the next big thing, and if you look at them, like Nishikori has won Grand Slam final. Uh, great player, by the way. Instinct, instincts amazing. Like he hits the ball on the rise, and unfortunately, he was an unbelievable player. I don't really think he's gonna come back anymore because he had just he was just plagued by injury. Same with Raonic, he was the worst to watch, but he had an amazing serve. I like yeah. big servers in general, but Raunic was just a pain to watch, bless him. And, I'm cu- and curious about
0: this, Like that's a side topic, but uh, you're a big... I mean, you like servers, you like Rodic, you like players that serve big because you do that yourself, partly I think that that usually relates to, to your style, but why do you think Raunic is more boring than Rodic, for example?
1: I think Rodic had an all-around game and, and he was so fun to watch because his movement was amazing and he he looked like a proper tennis player. If you look at Raonic, what I think about Raonic is that he was sort of an overachiever as well because he he pretty much had the same game as like Karlovic, but he actually, like he was volleying pretty well. I don't know if he had a plus racket. Do you know if he had a plus racket or was he no, just playing with a normal standard, old as far 27? as I know. Uh,
0: my my friend owned his racket. I think it's a, just quite standard slightly customized blade. So Was it like
1: a 450 swing weight racket?
0: No, 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 no. No, it was it was, it was human, <laughs> human racket. <yeah. laughs>
1: because like, you know, for me Roddick was the biggest entertainer um on and off the court. Uh Brownich, nice guy. Um, big serve okay forehand pretty good volleys, backhand absolutely ridiculously bad although I don't really think it's it's worse in many ways than Berethini's Berethini is just plagued by that shot I think Berethini is is a sort of a better version of Raonic I don't know what you think about that that
0: what I wanted to get at with this come with this question, and I think it all boils down to, and I think it's it's very easy to overlook, is that you know if you look at shot strength, it's not always the thing. It's, it's also about like style and charisma, and like some people just transcend the screen. Rodrik is a great example. Like he he has a pretty interesting dynamic style, whether it's footwork or or serve, and he actually was hitting the ball really hard, especially in when he came on the scene, but then. Uh, it's a lot about like how do you capture the crowd, and he had a way with the audience. He was doing great interviews, one of the best press conference guys in the history, I think. The great. best, sorry, yeah, sorry, exactly. Giannis,
1: uh, the best by far.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and then you have guys <laughs> that are not so exciting, like so that that makes a big difference. Like is this guy likable or not, and that is what works in TV and in media. If it's not a likable guy, I mean Raonic is is not an unlikable guy. But he has nothing. I mean, it's like the same with Kevin Anderson. These players, they are very good players. Nobody can take that away from them. But they don't transcend the screen. You don't feel like, wow, you know, I want to watch this guy. You don't have that feeling. Like, you know, Alcaraz, he he kind of brings you on a journey with him. He has, like, charisma. And the way he moves and hits the ball is exciting. And a lot of guys, they don't. It's just easy math, right? It's not so exciting. Don't resonate with the audience. That's I think, has easy... As it is, if you have your big server, it's not about that. It's about, like, do you, you know, transcend the screen? Are you interesting to watch? Are you interesting to back? So I think a little bit that was also around it, not his maybe best um, category. And,
1: and, I mean, that's that's why it's it's hard to really like Sinner because he is, as, as much as he, he looks like a top three, a definite top three player, and, and he is working on that. And he's a really likable character.
0: Yeah,
1: his game well, for me yeah. is is is. I mean, I think he is. Like you know, it's a great story that he if like he wanted uh, a twelve month sport instead of of skiing, which is only in the winter, because apparently he was like top two skier in in Italy, which is quite a uh, an achievement in Italy yeah. to be top two in skiing. Uh, but he just thought that he he can be as good in tennis, and I mean like how talented you are to choose between two of the major sports ever so it's it's not like you know between curling and i don't know bowls it's it's between tennis and skiing it's just it's just silly but you know all these guys who are like amazing athletes they they just like if you look at the american players they're great at basketball they're great in american football and then they just choose one of those or ba- baseball um, and they just choose one of them and they, they just make a living out of it. So it's just crazy. But back to, back to Raonic and and why I, I drew uh, a line between Raonic and Sinner is that Raonic is, I think he's a likable character. He's, he's a nice guy. You know, he's, he's not really outgoing or you don't really think about him as like a Montpice that, you know, he's a sort of a party animal or anything like that, but I think it's, it's an interesting one on, on how you get engaged. And, and I think what, what you said about Carlitos is that when you, when you watch Carlitos play, you just, you're just drawn in. And yep. interestingly enough, when you, when you watch Monfils, it's more about his trick shots because when he doesn't actually do the trick shots, it's not a really great spectacle.
0: No, no, it's not the style. I, I mean, I don't enjoy watching monfis particularly. I just, I mean, his, his personality seems a little fun and he's uh, he's a fun character and he seems to love tennis. So he smiles. Like, I mean, that that's what he brings. Like he brings a, you know, a kind of affectionate approach to the sport. Like he doesn't seem to take it too seriously, but still fights, you know, all these things. So it's not always about the style. It's really about like your personality in the end. Like it's with all TV and all entertainment. It's like, oh, do you like this guy or not? And I think that's the thing that's sometimes overlooked. Like, I mean, you can, for example, Dustin Brown, like he's a, he's a fun new character. He's ranked 200, whatever, 150, 100 now, uh, but still he's a fun to watch because he's, he's such a, you know, character and, and such a fun style. So I think it's it's entertainment. So it's not only about like how effective are your strokes. Uh, it's a lot about uh, what you bring in terms of entertainment in when you play the match
1: it's great that you brought up dustin because uh he um i've just seen it on the the atp challengers instagram space instagram page is that he actually um played the doubles match i mean it's just so random but he played the doubles match and and he won a spectacular point like tweeters around the nets and that sort of thing within one point amazing i mean he he beat nadal on on, gra- uh, on grass, which is just an unbelievable achievement. That's why many people actually do get by. Kyrgios's, um theatrics is because he's fun to watch. He's
0: yeah, he is
1: he is a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, you need characters. Like, all these guys would be amazing. But like, look at Rude. I I don't really get all the stick what he gets because he is a lovely guy. He he just goes about his business, but his game is actually quite exciting. I I think it is. I mean, I, I really like his forehand. I think his forehand is one of the best, if not the best, on tour.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't mind watching him at all, but I know, like, uh, for to the casual tennis observer, he's not the most exciting guy. Like, I mean that that's what I heard. But I agree. As a but tennis why fan, I don't
1: I don't get it. Why
0: I don't know either. I enjoy watching him, so I, I can't really comment so much because I think he's he's better than what he gets gets attributed to right. So um but yeah that that's just how, how audience work, you know, and, and what like it's it's sometimes hard to understand what's going on. If you're not super into a sport, maybe you you mean you you think differently about things than than people who are nerds or like following challenger tour or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think so as well. And and you know it's it's another interesting topic to to maybe explore on on what brings people to the TV and and you know as as we talked about it. I think team sports are always a lot easier to support than, than certain individuals. If you look at the labor cup, and if you look at like, obviously Europe was like stacked with, with the best players ever. But if if you look at team world who won in the end, you had Schwartzman, you had TFO, you had uh, Taylor Fritz, Jack Sock. And, and that's, pretty much it i mean obviously i know that there were a few more guys but i i think that's that's why tennis should be focusing on some sort of team play or or team format because you can actually support a team rather than just the individuals so i i think that is that is a way forward for tennis because at the moment it it, like sadly enough i mean obviously the grand slams will always be watched and and always be supported and always be uh, have like I don't know twenty million uh, prize money and all that, but that's why that's why the lower ranked players should should actually just um, you know gather in teams and and I and I think you know that would be that would be the way to go for tennis.
0: I agree. I think it also connects uh, well well to how we started it. I think it's it's very important uh, to look at tennis also from entertainment, but also what the players want to compete for. And when you see a tournament like Labor Cup, you can argue that it's an exhibition or not. But the players really care because they play for something bigger than themselves. They play for the team. And I think that brings out a whole different dynamic to sports in general. And that's also one reason sports is what it is. And, and most even individual athletes like to play team sports because it gets a, a different vibe of everything. I mean, it's just like you have something different to compete for. So more team sports. I mean, we we hacked on harked on this topic quite a bit, but I really believed it, and I think uh, Lever Cup did a great job at doing the production and showing that this is the way forward. So we need more teams, really. I mean, like more team tennis. I think this could really make tennis uh, a sport for the next hundred years. So um, that's really what we want to see in the future, uh, instead of uh, lukewarm ATP 250s that people hardly show up to. I think that would make a big difference
1: that's why we emphasize it every podcast. That's, that's why we, that's why we talk about it. Cause if we just emphasize it, and if we just talk about it, every podcast, hopefully um, it will, uh, it will come to existence because if it does, then we are on the right track and uh, you know, it would make your job easier. It would hopefully make my job easier as well. Uh, Cause that's, that's what we need. Cause uh, you know, we want tennis to, to stay here for another uh, 500 years, a thousand years and you know that's, that's what we believe as tennis nerds is the way
0: forward What a beautiful way to end the podcast uh, Dennis, I think that's great I think we all love this sport and we were just want the best for it as do the Goats and the other players in the Labour Cup for example. Big thanks for joining me today it uh, was, was fun talking to you and catching up as always and we talk soon again
1: Thank you very much Giannis and uh, see you next week. Yep, ciao ciao